This is the captain speaking. Welcome aboard. We are now underway and proceeding on a course that will take us on a voyage of exploration through liquid space. The route, we will pass through the Animusings podcast and then probe depths seldom seen by man. Make yourself comfortable, but please remain seated at all times. And no smoking, please. My co-host, Kayla King, is allergic to cigarettes. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Steer three zero degrees. Right rudder, three zero degrees, all ahead full. <laughs> Steady as she goes. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Anim Houston's podcast. Dive, dive. Your captain here is David King. Uh, I was really hoping it was I could sound more like Paul Freeze, but I will never have a Paul Freeze voice. Could you could you do Corey Burton at least? No, depending Corey Burton doing maybe a Captain Hook impression. I mean, Corey Burton's in this movie, so I know he is. He's mole. I know. That's, that's right. So weird. Uh, Actually, yeah, Kayla. Hi. Hi, and I'm your other co-host, <laughs> Kayla King, and we have a guest, like we always do on this show. Because everybody wants a piece of animation. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Overton, everyone. Hi, it's me. I was dragged onto the ship, um, and I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm breathing everybody's air. The oxygen's recycled in here, and you know what? I'm, I'm still loving it. It's okay. It's okay because this is a defunct ride from that closed in 1998. So uh, we're, we're in the past, not in current year. So the air oh. is fine. <laughs> the air is fine, but I hope you don't deal with submechanophobia because there's a lot of. Uh, prop fish outside yeah that weird dragon's been looking me in the eyes for like five minutes now and i don't oh. i'm not really uh <laughs> oh i'm sorry here i should actually like move the submarine so we're not just sitting next to the sea serpent oh, oh god D- david do you have do you have a license for this submarine oh yeah no cast member training i i, I got used to it don't worry <laughs> <laughs> uh as jordan and i know cast member training is well <laughs> well yeah it's uh <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, non-Finding Nemo submarine voice. Yeah, the not Finding Nemo. Oh, God. Although, I, the reason I chose this one is because the movie we are talking about today is 2001's Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Da, da, da. I, 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 for a second, thought you were going to say 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, and I was like, why I did know. you switch it up on me? I, I, I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> I actually thought it, when he was saying 2001, I'm like, he's going to say Space Odyssey? What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're now we're now a year into the new millennium on on Animusings, which is very interesting. So, hey, Kayla, why don't you tell us a little bit about this film as our as our resident historian and keeper of the uh, sub subs law? Yes, you're you're our Milo Thatch, so we need you know. Sure, I guess the uh, the well the red hair is kind of disappearing now as we go into COVID land, but yeah, I mean I still have the glasses and the master's degree in communication. So I guess I'm kind of a Milo Thatch. So. You also keep the boiler in the, the in the university basement going. Yes, that is my job. Sure. Uh, so um, this is, uh, the, how this idea came about is, and I had to look this up in multiple places because I had to confirm if this was real. And yes, this is true. So directors, Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, who, um, just finished directing uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame along with um, producer Dong Hong and uh, screenwriter Tab Murphy were at a Mexican restaurant. And they said, I think all of them had at one point said, we had drank so many margaritas. (laughs) And they were just coming up with this idea. And one of the things they wanted to do was uh, 
a movie that had more of an Adventureland feel because they were saying there's too many. We we've done too many Fantasyland movies, and now we want to do something more Adventureland. Go mm-hmm. a little more to the left side of the park, as um, Don Hahn said. Left side is the best side. West side, West Sider for life. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, definitely is the best side. Um, <laughs> And uh, a lot of them really uh, took a lot of inspiration from both uh, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Center of the Earth and uh, came up with the idea of like, oh, they do visit Atlantis in Journey to the Center of the Earth. What if we make that the focus? And this is how the movie came about, really. Um, For the most part, it's a very straightforward history. Uh, a lot of what I read wasn't like there wasn't any like complication. There's no drama. Uh, who who would have been? Uh, Eisner didn't say like I need I want Mickey Mouse inside here inside this cartoon at this point in time. We're, please tell me, no. Kayla, that there is not for once the dread shadow of Jeffrey Katzenberg doesn't hang. There's over no this. Jeffrey Katzenberg. There's in no us. Katzenberg. Yes, <laughs> we are free. <laughs> There is no oh, Katzenberg in the story whatsoever. Oh, thank goodness. I knew we would get to this blessed day at some point, And here we are. Although there is. Meanwhile, oh. he was over because because, you know, by this point. Well, no, this was. Yeah, they were planning this after Hunchback and Jeffrey was still hovering over things at that point. Right. A little bit, but not he, he didn't have his fingers in it too much. He does have a little bit of a part, but not. I will accept it knowing that soon enough, there will be no traces of Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> well, I mean, he soon will... this will be a Katzenbergless podcast. Then we, then they will not have to put a content. I will have to edit a content warning in here at the beginning. More <laughs> warning, this content, this podcast may contain Katzenberg. I, I think the only time now, hopefully that Katzenberg will make an appearance is a lot of the competition will be between Disney and DreamWorks throughout this upcoming history. Right, yeah. And I mean, that's still going on today. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably his main way of popping up. But other than that. Mm -hmm. um, So one of the things they wanted to do was they wanted to avoid the typical uh, crumbled Greek uh, Roman columns underwater because that was usually what a lot of people thought of when they thought of Atlantis, quote unquote. Helmsman, steer clear of the tottering columns. All right, sir. So what they decided to do was create a completely new mythology, like from top to bottom, like just basically created a new language, culture, everything. Um, And they took a lot of inspiration from uh, Mayan, Egyptian and Cambodian architecture. And uh, they wanted to focus on like the mother civilization metaphor, kind of Tower of Babel style. Um, And like I mentioned, they created their own language for this and not just, uh, not just uh, had anyone created. They brought in Mark Ockrand who developed the Klingon and Vulcan languages for Star Trek to create the Atlantean language for this. That's so, that is so, yeah, that's just crazy. Oh my God. Oh yeah. The Star Trek. Um, there's a lot of Star Trek connections. Because I mean, Leonard Nimoy does a voice in this too. Yeah, yeah. he's he's Keto's father. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of interesting. I feel like these guys were like, who are people that we geek out about? I know, let's do this. Uh, well, I mean, they, they did specifically say they wanted to make like an action adventure movie with, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, no, no musicals. Well, I mean, they really try to reference that whole action adventure feel. Um, this film is actually, or 
the animation is shot on as a widescreen image, uh, 35 millimeter and anamorphic format. And they did this as a reference to old action adventure films like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and huh. yeah. Oh no, they, this was completely a love letter to old action adventure films. Even um, interestingly enough though, they hired Hellboy creator, Mike uh, Mignola as a production designer. Cause they said, we want your style. We want to take inspiration from your style. And if you look at the artwork of um, Atlantis, it's very similar to Hellboy. It is. It, like, like, now that you say that, I completely absolutely see it. Like, a lot of the very sort of, like, sharp edges and and just a lot of the, yeah, the, the kind of structure of everything is very similar to that. A lot of, the, I, a lot of like, the Atlantean stuff is very, like, I was thinking about that has a very Mike Mignola vibe to it. Like, uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about that when we get there, but I mean like the floating faces have that. And then the, I don't know, it's end of the robots. Yeah. The big, the big defenders of Atlantis, like seriously. Uh, another interesting thing, again, to even make it more of an action adventure film, they hired uh, Gary uh, Ridstrom and his team from Skywalker Sound. Yes, that Skywalker uh, to make the sound production for this film. They put so much work into this movie and no now knowing like how it how it worked out in the end makes me so sad for how much work went into this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um the premiere was at El Capitan Theater on June 3rd, 2001. Then it had a limited release in LA and New York City on June 8th and then was officially fully released on June 15th. Uh, the budget for this was 100 million and they only grossed, um, I mean, they still made back their money, but it's not amazing. They grossed about 186 million worldwide. Um, and the reason for this, and this is where the Katzenberg comes in. They had some very difficult competition. Uh, it was going up against Shrek and Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Shrek. I can't. <laughs> Shrek, Shrek, Mike Myers is the reason why we have a straight to DVD sequel to this movie. I am that is that is now my headcanon. My, it's Mike Myers' fault that we have a somewhat mediocre sequel straight to DVD to this movie. Actually, it's more Angelina Jolie because um, this was second uh, to Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider was number one, actually, for the, for the most part. <gasps> wow, really? Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Tomb Raider was a big deal, I guess. At the time, yeah. At the time. I, I, I mean... I only saw one movie that year, though, or in terms of those three in theaters, and uh, it was Atlantis. That was the one I saw. So. Can I... Can I, I... I saw I saw a lot of... <laughs> I'm now realizing... I've now had a realization I, I contributed to the problem. I think when I was a kid in 2001, I probably saw Shrek about five times in theaters. <laughs> and... And I don't. I don't think I ever saw Atlantis once in theaters. So I. Well, I, I actually cannot say anything. I contributed to this problem. That's okay. But to be fair, I, I mean, you're. That's that's understandable. I mean, there's this Shrek is love. Shrek is life, right? I mean, <laughs> it's never ogre. <laughs> <laughs> we're, well, we were all kids at the time, and we'll get into our personal histories in a little bit. Uh, but I, it's our parents' fault. They allowed that to happen. So I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the the other thing too is this got mixed reviews. Um, a lot of the reviews would say it's fun, fast paced. It's a beautiful spectacle. Like that was the main thing. Like it is visually appealing, but the main problem they said it lacked character development. Uh, the characters weren't as memorable as they would have liked. And I, I mean, I'll get into that a little later about the character 
uh, about characters and all that when we delve into the film. Uh, but I also want to bring up one little thing because I know there's going to be people out there who are going to be like, didn't you know Joss Whedon was a writer on this? Yeah, didn't you know Joss Whedon wrote this? He did not. Um, <laughs> he is credited, but he did not. So at the All right, closing my Joss Whedon tab. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually did have a Joss Whedon tab to be like, hey, did you guys Joss Whedon wrote this? And I just, I, it, it's gone now. It's in the abyss. <laughs> I, <laughs> Return okay. from whence you came tab. <laughs> Bye. Uh, he, okay, so at the time, for those who don't know Joss Whedon, and if you don't, I, 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 I <laughs> where have you been? Where, get assume, out from under your rock, please. Let's assume anyone who listens to this knows who Joss Whedon is and continue. Mean, oh, like the Avengers director, <laughs> the guy who made Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, Firefly, yeah, Doctor Horrible, Sing Along Blog, yeah. Um, to so, name a few. <laughs> so he, when he was, um. Uh, working for Disney, he had developed an Atlantis project a couple years earlier, but before this. And um, he was actually working on kind of this animated musical uh, with Atlantis for Atlantis. And that actually was something the team did not want to do. They said no musicals, no musical numbers. This is just a straightforward film. Um, and uh the way it was described, his idea was described was journey to the center of the earth meets the man who would be king. Um, his draft is nothing like this movie at all. And he has said that up front. Like he said, there's no shred of what I written in this. Um, and uh, the reason he has a writing credit and I'm going to say this as I'm quoting Gary Truesdale, uh, director of this film or co-director of this film. We weren't aware of um, that script's existence until Josh Sweden showed up in the end of credits as a writer, and we went, the fuck is this? <laughs> then, <laughs> then we found out, oh, he wrote something with Atlantis in the title, and the attorneys thought it would be easier just to cave in and give him credit instead of fighting his agent. ha <laughs> So it wasn't even like it, like Joss Whedon probably would have been like, yeah, sure, whatever, take it, take it out. I don't, I don't it, like what I wrote is gone. But his age is like, nah, no, we're getting your name in this film. It's like you made something for. I don't know how much part he had in this. I don't know if he was like, hey, hey, I wrote something of Atlantis first, and I, I I'm assuming the lawyers were like, well, uh, we'll just say you're a writer then. I like the idea of Joss like gently in the, hovering in the background, just holding his script, like, oh, hey guys. I have the, the Atlantis script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good, Joss. Thank you. Go, go ahead, and, and we'll take that. We'll put that right on the fridge. Oh, thank you. Cool. So, you put a, can you put the big old star? It, it's it? kind of like, jeez. <laughs> it's kind of like if someone was like, "Hey, I wrote a script about, I don't know, um, clones. Therefore." I should have rights to clone high. <laughs> I should have writing rights to clone high. Uh, yeah, sure. We don't want to deal with your lawyers. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that kind of idea. Like, I, have a, I have a story of space wizards. Give me the rights to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Atlantis is such a broad topic. I totally get it. So, like, yeah. It's like, what even? Yeah. It, it, it's not, I mean, Atlantis is not exactly a 
like this is a and even the writer said to this people know about atlantis this isn't like i mean here we like I, we've been for some reason going backwards through the submarine ride while we've been on it so now i can say aha these crumbling heaps of stone betray the hand of man these classic ruins could very well be the lost continent of atlantis <laughs> But yeah, Joss Whedon is there just because legal drama. So. Um, yes, he did not really write anything for this. He did not do anything for this specific project. Fair he, enough. He put a period on one of the lines and he said, <laughs> you want, they're, they're, hey, where's my check? Exactly. Joss breathed on it and they were like, hmm. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's good. Send it out. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty interesting background, though, for the movie, all things considered. I actually appreciate the the effort to get a like a, a steampunk uh, adventure, you know, a pulp, pulp adventure film going here. I mean, the effort is there for sure. And oh, I yeah. Do, and, you know, that's one of the things that stuck with me when I first saw this. This is an awkward way of me segueing into my personal history with the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? OK, yeah. What is uh, your personal history, David, since you're starting this off? So I've seen it exactly one time, one time. And it were, I remember the experience very vividly. We got to the theater late. I missed most of the beginning of the movie, except for like, I came in right at the part where um, Kita's mom is being pulled into the light. And I had no idea what was going on before that. I didn't know how much we'd missed before that. Um, but then I, I still remember big chunks of this movie pretty well, um, despite it you know, being, oh my gosh, 2001. Yeah, yeah, almost 19 uh, years ago. Almost, yeah, 19 years since I've seen the movie. And I, that was the only time I saw it. Uh, <laughs> years later, here I am watching it again, and I finally get to see the beginning part. I'm like, oh, I didn't miss that much. But it's funny how much that one viewing certain spectacle bit stuck with me and parts of the story did. But I almost, big parts of the story, I didn't remember that well. And so it was interesting because I would be, we'd be watching it and I'd be like, wait, hold on, go, go back. I feel like they're, they're going so fast. I need to go back and hear that little bit of like plot exposition again. And then like, so it was interesting. I think, um, oh, and I, there is one bit in this second viewing of it. I feel like I have one of those like weird, like, did I watch this in an alternate reality kind of moments? Because I remember a scene in the movie that wasn't there in this one. And we'll, uh, we and we'll can... get to that. Um, oh, but I'm I, afraid that's that's all it is. <laughs> but I, I remember, I do remember liking the movie. But I think I feel the same. I think I, I think I feel the same way about the movie then as I do now. It was a wild ride. It was fun, but it wasn't memorable enough to make me want to go back and watch it again. Uh, until recently, I, I watched it a few times as a kid. It's been a very long time since I last saw it. I did see it in theaters, like you did. Um, and for the most part, I thought it was as a kid, okay. Uh-huh. Um, I know people who are like, no, this movie, like as I got older, there are people who are like, no, this movie is so amazing. You don't understand. And I'm like, is it? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I know it looks beautiful. As I got older, I heard, I had people say like, and when I mean older, I mean, when I was in college, people say, no, this movie is so incredible. It's such a masterpiece. And, um, and I would look back and I'm like, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. I mean, it could be a masterpiece for all I remember. I just don't remember being that memorable to me. So now rewatching it, I don't, yeah, we'll get into <laughs> that whole thing. Um, what about you, Jordan? What's your, so my, my history with this movie is I, I never saw it in theaters. Once again, saw Shrek four times instead. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but I remember, I always remember seeing the commercials for it. And I even remember, I 
I begged my grandmother to to take me to McDonald's to go like get the specific crystal toy that they had. Oh yeah. And, it, and, and when you pushed a button, it had like that kind of soft blue, like glow. And it was the coolest thing. I like, I remember crying because I didn't get it in the first happy meal. And she had to go in and be like, Hey, can I, can I just trade this out? My, my grandson's crying in the car. Oh, and that, that that's, a, and of course I got it, but I, that's, that's about like my memory as a kid of the movie. I do. I, I remember seeing it the first time I saw it, I was probably about nine or 10 and it was, I think I caught it on, on the Disney channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had never heard of, of Jules Verne or, or, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea or journey to the center of the earth. That was my sort of first experience with that sort of, I guess, like steampunk sort of aesthetic mm-hmm. um, uh, or like bronze stage, I suppose um, aesthetic. But I, I, I definitely remember this movie through rose tinted glasses. I was in the party of this is like one of the, the best Disney movies ever made. All the characters are so good and, and it's a really pretty granted. It's still a beautiful movie. Oh I yeah. No one's going to deny that. Like even watching it again, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun to watch visually. Like this is incredible. The animation is great. The style is good. The um, art direction is phenomenal. Um, there's absolutely really good beats to this movie. Yeah, but then, you know, the characters all fall flat because they're all one-dimensional. Well, yeah. you know, haha, funny, Vinny likes an explosions. Mole, he's he's gross. That's that that's his shtick. Yep. Audrey, <laughs> uh maybe 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 a little bit of a of a stereotype. Not not too sure on that one. Um <laughs> There's there's, you know, we'll I mean, we'll get into the crew. There's definitely yeah. things to like about them even with, you know, maybe some of them a little flatter than others. Yeah. But, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Like, they're, I, I, I can remember all their names. <laughs> like, so I, I suppose, like, you know, they're not that forgettable. But it's, it's, no. it's, it's, just, it's, it's just this. You know, the, 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 the background certainly is almost like the main character in this movie, just because of how pretty it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, again, well, I, I think can we delve into the? Film? I think it's about time because I think one, one thing I'd forgotten about watching this is that as where it's set. So. For me, seeing the very beginning of the movie with just this like explosion and all those crazy Atlantean things flying toward the camera and them yelling in Atlantean about this is all your fault. I'm like, is this I didn't realize that um, what happened to Atlantis was basically the day of mourning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, you nerd. Deep cut d d reference anyway. Um, but. Yeah, this that that part's a whole spectacle, and like it's early on, I realized that this movie does not shy away from, in a Disney way, having kind of a darker, you know, an edgier tone. There's to a it. there's a lot of death in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot. Well, I mean, like you see people trying to get in, like from the outer Atlantis, trying to get into inner Atlantis, and they get stuck beyond the dome, and they they have to turn and watch as this giant tidal wave is coming coming toward them, this this tempest. Yeah, and we're, we're seeing these Atlanteans crash into the dome and just explode it like a fiery fire. And I was like, oh my God, oh God. Yeah, it, it just, just it so just like a, a lot more than what I feel like it, 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 Disney is comfortable with, especially nowadays. Right, right. But what I think I respect about this movie is like, I, Kayla and I made the argument that like, this is not necessarily a kid's movie. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of glad it's not. It's, but it's not a, it's, it's not a, like, it's not talking down to kids, but it also trusts that kids can deal with this stuff. Cause this is made by people who are like, we grew up or we, as kids, we like blockbuster movies, like star Wars and like Raiders. And those are movies where people die. 
people yeah. die often, you know, in action scenes, it's not like explicitly like gory or anything, but people do die. Lives are lost. And usually, in, and you, you know, you look at the Atlanteans and their ships, the ships crash and explode dramatically. Uh, other things crash and explode dramatically, like the submarines later in the movie. And, you know, you know, there are people in there who are being obliterated but it's like it's like an X-wing explosion in Star Wars, or a Tie Fighter explosion. It's like boom, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's it. They, yeah, they're just gone. They're but there, and then just that never heard from again. Right. Although, I mean, they there are moments where they do give honor to them. Like there is a scene where later on, where you see, um, like they light a candle to yeah, the the single like candle in the military hat just sort of going down. And I thought that was like you know like very sweet to be like yeah no like these these the you know like like the the speech that uh Rourke gave like we were 200 crew and now we're a crew of probably about 50 and it, yeah it, it, it just it made the characters that that did die at least on the ship feel like they had some weight to them like they're like oh man like it made me feel like oh man this you know maybe some of these characters did actually matter it did yeah. have weight to it. But it, of course, like, it's funny because like when you see these animated characters go down, a lot of the time it's like, wow, there's something different about that uh, because, you know, the like when it happens to the Atlanteans or even to some of the crew that you see in the, in the sub or like driving the the trucks during the Firefly attack. Yeah. But, um, but then in another allusion to Star Wars, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but I wanted to bring this up while we're at this bit where we see our first real big tragedy in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um there's those guys with the gas masks that are basically stormtroopers. That hey, can I? Yeah, like the 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 sound that they use for it. I was like, they a they sound like Darth Vader, and b yeah, they're very much like similar to stormtroopers. It's almost like they brought in the people who did the sound for Star <laughs> exactly. Wars. Exactly. <or> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I'll talk more about the the Mook uh, stormtrooper like soldier guys later because I like their design too. I, I have a I like gas mask, like old oh, gas, gas masks on anything. Like it makes it automatically a 10 in my book. Like, I don't care. You, it could be a dumb costume, put a gas mask on it. I'm like, you know what? I want to cosplay that. I, <laughs> I, I actually kind of want to cosplay one of those guys too. How cool would it be to show up at a Disney gathering? Just be one of the random soul masked soldiers from Atlantis. <laughs> How many people would get that? I, I got a question though. Why? Cause they're underground. I understand why these guys would have gas masks and all that. Why don't the like, you know, main characters those. If, it's, if it's if it's not dangerous underneath why are these people wearing gas masks but not the main character because um hey they're because <laughs> well I can, I, I can hear the wheels in david's head clacking as he's trying to think because they don't want to breathe say. the bad air and they think everybody else is being is being dumb for not wearing masks Sorry, kind of reminds me of current year, for example. Maybe they're the smart ones. Let's oh, hey, it. yeah, you know what? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, they they were onto something. Yeah, <laughs> you never know what you're going to breathe in these dark underground uh, caverns. Look, I mean, hey, there's, there's asbestos there's... and 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 other toxins. Vol- and maybe... vol- you know, there could be fungus. They're 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 in they're in like lava caverns. There could be like volcanic ash. That's like you know, like I mean, there definitely is volcanic ash. Mole even says like, hey, yeah, this is volcanic ash, and they're all just breathing it in. They're like, <laughs> the you know what? Hey, does anything useful and <laughs> right? uh, comic relief? Uh, sorry. Okay, so Atlantis. We have this moment where we introduce to Baby Kita. Yes. Uh, her father, the, the king, and her mother, who goes into a trance and gets pulled into the, uh, the, as we learn later, the heart of Atlantis. Yes. Which is just like 
a crazy energy field. Yeah, the mythology as a kid, I did not understand the mythology behind that whole thing. I that went over my head as a kid. As I got older, I'm like, okay, I can understand it and I understand what's going on. But as a kid, I'm like, I don't get this. Yeah, I I, I was like, oh, like, yeah, when I watched it as, as as a kid, I was like, oh, she's just going in, she's sacrificing herself for Atlantis, which granted is what she's doing. Yes. But like I didn't I didn't realize like she, she you know, the, the heart of Atlantis is sort of like saving itself by using her as a as a conduit, right? Yeah, that, I, that's I, that's what's happening. There's a, there's a lot of what I like is that they don't I mean, that we we get a sense of what's going on and we kind of learn more about it along with uh, Milo and the gang as opposed to learning all about it right here in this moment. We just get a glimpse of the destruction of Atlantis. Yeah. Which I do appreciate, by the way. And, and of course, they were going to do this. They opened the movie with just a, the quote from Plato about the destruction of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we see the waves crash in and uh, the island just disappears and then um, I think it's right after that we jumped to Washington, D.C. in 1914. Yes. And that's when we're introduced to Myla Thatch, who is voiced by Michael J. Fox. And I must say, Michael J. Fox is really well cast in this. Like, oh, yeah. When he's voice acting, I did not think of him. Like the, the, later on, I had, to, I had to remind myself, oh, yeah, this is Marty McFly. Yeah, I Michael J. Fox, like he always gives his all. I've noticed, like during like like any casting, whether it be voice or like voice acting or actual acting, and that's why I love him so much. Is like a, a as an actor and as a person because he just always gives his all, and I I really yeah. feel that like Milo Thatch was an actual person, and yeah, that that it wasn't Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly being this this nerdy guy. Yeah, no, I'm with you. In all honesty, Milo is probably the most developed out of all the characters in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like Milo. He, yeah, he, they give him a lot of little quirks. They give him they give him enough to actually roll with. He's of actually of, of he. We need to have a well rounded protagonist, and it's like and and we get him in this like goofy nerd, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's great. I I think he's phenomenal. And he and again he he avoids sounding like Marty McFly. Although every so often because I know the similarities. I just want to, there's, you know, moments where like in the back of my head, I didn't say this because it was in gross of the movie, but there's, you know, the points where he's like Rourke, like at the end, Rourke reveals his ruse. And I almost wanted him to walk up, slap him and go, don't be so gullible, Thatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The, the difference is Marty is, McFly is a very different character from Milo Thatch. Milo is like Marty was much more self-confident. Uh, he, he was the type of person who would just jump in head first where yeah. Milo is the complete opposite. He, he is. He's introverted. He's very, uh, very engrossed when it comes to um, basically nerdy stuff. He's a very awkward individual. Um, oh, yeah. Bookworm to the max. Oh, he's yeah, absolutely- bookworm. But he he's also he's also surprisingly like scrappy for a bookworm. Yeah, I think, and I think like they is- they give him kind of that 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 like spunk about him. Yeah, he does have a. Um, he's not afraid to give a little bit of attitude or. Um, well, not attitude. There's a. I don't know how to phrase it, but you're you're right. He does have a spunk about him. Yeah. Um. I. It might be. Cause he's not like a, he, he's, he's not like this entire, like, like, you know, this Jerry Lewis, like, like nerd archetype. Like, no, he, he, no, 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 no. He, I, like, I, like he, he, he fights, like he, he, he runs after the, uh, the investors, um, 
and and he like he like goes on their car like i would like it's it's just it's something about that that's like okay like he has more in him than what either he leads on or or then then you know like that's sort of like oh you, like the cliche the power was in you the whole time to to stand up for yourself you know i think uh there's something Maybe it's because um, one, despite having like all these, a very nerdy individual who is uh, very mind based, very uh, very intellectually based, he's also lower class, which yes. may add to the reason why he's a little more is not afraid to put his uh, life on the line or reputation on the line for these certain things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, later later in the movie, we learn he's an orphan. Yes. And then yes. early in, it's implied that he had a really good relationship with his grandfather, who was a very much a colonial, like classic, blustery British, ex- like British explorer looking kind of guy. Yes. And uh, which is great because when we get that reveal, he's, he's got even the, you know, the sort of like Van Pelt-esque uh, um, <laughs> pith helmet. And um, all I could think when I saw Thaddeus Thatch was gin and tonic. <laughs> like I'm getting some serious adventurers club vibes and anybody who knows me well knows that one of my favorite like overarching themes around the Disney parks is the adventurers club storyline, like, or the stuff with the society of explorers and adventurers. Yeah. So, the good old C. Yeah. Yeah. Good old C. And uh, so, and so getting to see a character like that and, and, and you know, set in, in a time period, very similar was, was very cool for me. I love, I eat this stuff up. So I, I, in, in movies like Indiana Jones and stuff, I, I always like the precursor stuff where we get kind of the lead into the adventure. We get the explorers getting ready to go. Yeah. And we start to get that here, which is nice. We get uh, the reveal of, uh, you know, of Thaddeus Satch, um, the grandfather, and uh, the Milo trying to convince the investors that his theories about Atlantis are real, that they need to find the Shepherd's Journal. I think the only thing that that happens though is that as much as I love this bit, it it almost goes by too fast. I feel like the whole movie goes by too fast. Well, I feel like the at least the exploration part, like the whole setting up of going on a like uh, into the submarine, and then well, uh, the, 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 the the setup and exploring they're both like put into montages like yeah how long are we actually on the submarine before it gets torn apart by a leviathan <laughs> i do we so yeah do we know like where this expedition was starting before they they like made like they started in the submarine like and where they were heading to like were they in there for months or were they really in there for less than i don't know probably 12 hours i mean according to rourke they were they started the expedition seven hours prior to the attack by the leviathan so they'd only been on that voyage for like a few hours oh my god all right i mean fair enough i guess Uh, and that's been in the sub at least that's the main problem with this film because i mean a lot of it is said more than shown or mm-hmm. it's done. Like you said, it's done in montages. Yeah. And like, for example, like the whole, uh, he goes to see um, like uh, the whole thing that starts his adventure is that Milo goes to see uh, Whitmore and uh, who's the eccentric billionaire who, or millionaire, sorry, that knew his grandfather. Well, first Helga comes to see him. Yes. And invites him to see Whitmore. That's it. Um, 
And Whitmore basically says, nope, I got everything settled. Your job is already quit. It's like, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, your job's quit. We put, we already talked to your apartment and everything. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, I'd be upset personally. You're already packed. Whoa, what? You, you went through my clothes and <laughs> <laughs> You stole my cat. <laughs> like, that's, dang, that's kind of insane. <laughs> And and even they're like, well, we need to get like all these people already got them. And here's the interesting part too. This like the main team that's part of us went to go on the main expedition to go get the Shepherd's Journal. Like Vinny was a part of that. So was I have a logistics question about the Shepherd's Journal. Actually, that was yes. something I was going to bring up earlier. No, I'm sorry. Finish your sentence, but then I'll talk about the but, Shepherd's uh, Journal. Yeah, yeah. But like most of the main team, what got went to go get the Shepherd's Journal. Where was that? I want to see what happened there. Can we get some like background information with that? Other than like, oh yeah, they went to go get it. And now they're coming back to go find Atlantis with you. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah, apparently a lot of them were there in Iceland with Thaddeus to do this. Then, yeah. And actually, so so with the Shepherd's Journal, we know it's been floating around in history for a while. Um, did the Was the journal written before or after Atlantis was destroyed? Like, was that, how did it get to the surface? Like, there's a lot we don't know about that journal and how it got out of Atlantis in the first place. Like, it just... I There were some weird implications that Thaddeus had actually, like, at least I felt like there were some weird implications that Thaddeus had actually visited Atlantis. Really? Like, I don't know. I That's that's what I got, like, while watching it. Like, because how else would he have found the Shepherd's Journal? Like, I know it's, like, you know, uh, Whitmore says it was in Iceland. But it, I don't know, like during a lot of the because there was also the uh, the scene where Kita like looks at the photo of Milo's Milo and his grandpa. And I don't know. I got the weird implication from that, that like she had known Thaddeus somehow. That's interesting. I hadn't you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it could, you know. Hmm. And that, again, main problem. It goes by so fast. You don't even notice it. Like mm-hmm. the MacGuffin, the MacGuffin of the journal is like something that they they, you know, it's important. It's the key. It's the thing that gets them to Atlantis. I don't think they necessarily want you to dwell on it too long or how it got to the surface. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, for all we know, it could have just been just some random, but it just seems to know a lot about the past to get to Atlantis post Atlantis collapsing, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting to me. Um, for all we know, some Atlantean could have taken it to the surface after the cat, the catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a way people they, they found their way there. So someone else could have, you know, gone through the ruins and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, just odd thing. So yeah, we, we get the, I do like this. I do actually like, as despite how fast paced it is, I do like the introduction of Whitmore. I like the, going to his house. I like that he's got like um, freaking coelacanths in his aquarium. <laughs> Yeah, like after after you know months of playing Animal Crossing while in quarantine, I, <laughs> like I was like, I know what that is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I immediately looked at it, and my mind went, he can sell those for like so many bells. <laughs> Caught them on a rainy day, you know. <laughs> how how oh God, it's yeah. It, Whitmore's like this obviously like lavish living man, but honestly, like. Like, I know they probably couldn't have done it in this movie, but I wish we, like, it just goes back to, I wish we would have gotten some more history on Whitmore and Thaddeus. Yeah. Like, like, like what was their story? Is Whitmore, I get the impression Whitmore is also an explorer, or at the very least an eccentric, because he has money and he has resources. He's able to throw together that, that, 
this crazy amount of technology and a huge team of, of mercenaries. You know what I think should have happened? I don't think hmm. we should have began with like Atlantis, like crushing over. I think we should have started with them finding the shepherd's journal. Like that would have been really neat. Like, like with the have them finding it in Iceland, like show yeah. them breaking through the ice. Like even a brief scene of like Thaddeus Thash, like holding the book in his hands and then it like crossfades to like, you know, uh, Washington, D.C., 1940. We still get the lead in with Milo, but Milo doesn't know about that. We, we don't know what the journal is until we cut to Milo giving his like fake lecture. Yeah. Like, we yes. just see this old man and his team in Iceland digging up this book. That way we get a little glimpse at some of the characters we meet later or earlier. Oh, yeah. Because uh, these characters, when you think about them on paper, are very interesting characters. I like the dossier. Like we we get them, we get dossiers on them before we even get to meet them. Yeah. But they're not given enough time to fully get to know them and like them, which is difficult, which is tricky because. Again, on paper, they're very interesting characters. And I like the fact that, one, they're also very, like, a, a variety of multicultural, like, 18-year-old um, uh, Hispanic, well, not Hispanic, because the, the actress who plays her is actually Argentinian. Uh, huh. Amer- yeah, she's an Argentinian-American. Um, Phil, uh, Phil Morris, who plays uh, uh, Dr. Sweet, African-American. Um uh, part uh, half, also half Native American. In, his in character the, is in the, his character is yeah yeah. And then um, uh, uh, Vinny is played by an, um, uh, Don uh, Novello, who of course is Italian American. But um, Don, I had to look up like why I knew this voice because <laughs> I'm like this. He sounds so familiar. Why is it not clicking? And then I finally figured it out. So um, uh. Don Novello is famous from uh, Saturday Night Live, but specifically he is famous for creating a character, uh, Father Guido Sarducci. And apparently this character has appeared in multiple mediums, like randomly, like he's been in with Married with Children, Blossom, it's Gary Shandling's show, but then it clicked. He was in Casper, as like the father whose head gets spun spun around, I'm like, that's it. Wait, oh my god, that was him. That's him. That is <laughs> that's so weird. I didn't, I I didn't make that connection until you like just said it, and you're like, oh my god, you're right. Yeah, like you think about it, like, oh yeah, it's totally him. But yeah, he plays this character, uh, uh, fa- Father Guido Sarducci, that just pops up in all these tv shows and movies that's that's hilarious but i guess he's playing a actually original character <laughs> he's, not, he's not father guido sarducci <laughs> wouldn't that uh, be funny if they did that it would be um and then uh yeah it it's such a like incredible diverse casts. Um, Cookie is voiced by the late great Jim Varney. Maybe mm. rest in peace. His, this was his last role. His last role. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. They actually, if you go to the end of the credits, it said to uh, uh, in our uh, remembering our friend Jim Varney. Oh, that's so upsetting to hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, there's actually a lot of great actors who are now passed away, like uh, James uh, Garrett, who. Uh, who voices work in this. Um, but I mean, he was a very, he was an older man by this. Right. Point, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the voice. Of, I, I, it's funny. We we're, we're, we haven't even, I mean, technically we're, yeah, well, I guess I, we're well, introducing the team now. Yeah, and then uh, David Ogden Steers actually did, uh, he was the voice of one of the fi- uh, like financial backers that started off. Oh uh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, who he, he passed away a few years ago. And then uh, Leonard Nimoy, of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know who's so, still with us, thankfully. No, is, he's not. No, no. You know who is still with us, thankfully. Who? Is, um, the, oh, what's her name? The woman who voices Helga. <gasps> yes. Because oh. she's done a lot of voice acting. And uh, sorry, not James. Garrett, James Garner. Wow. I'm so sorry about that. I, <laughs> I got to correct myself. Sorry. That's right. Uh, you're talking about Claudia Christian. Yeah. Yes. So Claudia Christian, because we're like, who's this voice? She sounds familiar. Uh, well, her, her claim to fame is that she was on Babylon 5 as Commander uh, Susan Ivanova. But Dave and I know her from Skyrim as Ayala the Huntress. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so we were excited about that. And but, I can totally hear it, especially when she gets mad in this movie. Uh, and then uh, Wilhelmina, uh, who is the uh, chain smoking radioactive raider, who is like, we're all going to die. die. I'll oh. call you back, Margie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'll call you. She was my favorite. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, she's one dimensional as hell, but I don't care. Is that a little bit of comic relief? She was so much better of like oh, comic relief. Her deadpan is so good. I love her. Oh, she's great. I, and again, I'm like, who is this voice actress? Why do I know her? And uh, she was in Dinosaurs as Grandmother Ethel. Oh, huh. oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So Which is sense. weird because when I think about it, I'm like, yeah. That's her. Remember that I time think- they were going to throw Ethel into a tar pit? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a VHS and that was the episode that was on. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, now I'm going back to my childhood here. Yes, yes. All right, so we, that's our that's our team. And then of course Mole as described earlier is Corey Burton. Yeah. The, so, the awesome know. Corey Burton. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we get this. Um, oh, the, oh no. and Whitmore is voiced by John Mahoney, who you would know as Martin from uh, Frasier. It's Martin Crane from Frasier. Uh, he also, oh. uh, he's actually also passed away too, two years ago. Eh, yeah. You yeah. know how it goes. Toss salads and scramble eggs. Uh, he lived a very long life though. He did. He was, so. Uh, so yeah, Whitmore, like the impression I'm getting, like we talked about this, he's, he's assembled all this stuff. He's interested. He made a promise to Thaddeus. I'm, you know what, the way I see it though, I, I, they don't talk about this, but wouldn't it be great if these two characters were also worked into the C canon? I, I want that so bad. Like I, like, that would have been their perfect chance. Like if they had the C canon established back in the day, yeah. I feel like they, they absolutely would have put these two characters in as, as C members. Oh yeah. I mean, you could see them being contemporaries with like Lord Henry Mystic, can, can, Harrison Hightower. Can you explain what C is for our listeners out there? So C is an acronym for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. And it's a, uh, it's a hidden connective storyline that links a bunch of distant, different uh, Disney attractions. And the theme of it is all about sort of like that that classic colonial like adventurer kind of vibe. Yeah. Let's start with the Adventurers Club that used to be in Walt Disney World, but has since been expanded to a bunch of different rides and includes links to uh, the uh, Tokyo Disney Sea Tower of Terror, the Jungle Cruise, uh, Big Thunder Mountain at Florida, even the uh, even the Haunted Mansion to a degree. All have a connection to sea now. Which is interesting. And and I, I really, I, I really hope that they build on top of that because right now it is very not quite surface level, but you really need to dig for the, for your your C canon. 
Yeah, the 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 foreign like the like the 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 uh, foreign parks, yeah, the parks outside of America are tend to have that more, especially uh, Tokyo Disneyland and uh, like Hong Kong, because mm-hmm. I mean Mystic Point is very on the nose a sea park. Yes, because, like, absolutely, or sea land because it's one of its members is the you know the marquee character for Mystic Manor. So. It's it's cool. I love I I love it, and I wish it was more on. It was more oblique here. Although, uh, if you go to the Skipper's Canteen restaurant at Walt Disney World, they actually one of the rooms you can eat in there is a sea lounge. Oh, that's great! I've oh, that's there's so much like there, there's not a lot at Disneyland in terms of like sea canon. There's very no. little. No, um, it, it's all it's all mainly just chalked up to like design like things like oh yeah there you'll see a sign in in one of the windows in Adventureland that connects it, it to sea but there's a bunch of at the at the tropical like I'm sorry we're going off in a whole tangent yeah we're just going we're going, we're going this is a tangent land podcast well like there's like there's, there's like the, there's a bunch of oars that are hung up at the uh tropical or oh, tropical hideaway that have like their awards and their different members of C that have won these awards. Like, oh, look, there's Barnabas Bullion. There's Lord Henry Mystic. There's Harrison Hightower. There's uh, uh, Captain Mary Oceaneer. You know, just like there's all these characters that are scattered all around. It's kind of was this fun little in-joke thing with Imagineers. And now you have to dig for it. And I think part of the fun is the digging for it, to be oh, honest. Oh, absolutely. I but, agree. But that being said, they have retroactively added characters to C's canon. Uh, Captain Brio from the Island at the Top of the World, the short-lived like uh, movie that um, sort of, kind of uh, ruined the chances for Discover- uh, Discovery Bay being built because it didn't do well. Uh, that character's been added to the canon. Jock Lindsay from Indiana Jones is technically a member of C because after Disney acquired the rights to, you know, all of the Lucas stuff, uh, Jock is- Lindsay became a member. By the way, oh, I do- that's great. I do recommend uh, if you, if anybody, when this is all over uh, and you guys decide to go to Disney World, uh, go to Jack Lindsay's, uh, uh, oh my goodness. Hangar bar? Jack Lindsay's hangar bar. The drinks are very good. And oh my goodness, I love the, how it looks like it, they have like, uh, it, it's all like styled, um, like a hangar bar and then there's actually little references to um indiana jones and then there's actually an open <laughs> cage where that says reggie's <laughs> <laughs> try the reggie's revenge it's good oh yeah it's a great drink um yeah so anyway but but all this being said it just shows that we're enthusiastic about the vibe. So it's great that this movie exudes that, especially at the beginning, this adventurer, this adventuring story. And then we get to the, you know, they get on the sub, the sub is impressive. We start seeing sort of the blend of the CG and the uh, animation during this, during these parts. Uh, Some of the humor starts getting thrown in here, especially strong. Uh, We meet, then we start meeting the cast slowly, but surely. Not even slowly. Let's be honest here. It was very okay. Yeah, it's about fifteen. You're fifteen minutes into the movie. It's like boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, it's like here's 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 mole. He's funny. You put dirt in your bed. Sweet. He talks fast and he's really he's he's neat. That's it. That's him. And mm-hmm. it, like it, yeah, it just it, I felt like I got whiplash after meeting it's, all the all the main cast. It's a mile a minute. I wish they could have slowed it down a little because there's there's a part later that I'm like, see, this is a great part of the movie. It should have been more of that sooner. 
Why? I feel like there should have been a way that we could have stayed or like spent a little more time on the exploration part on the, like on the submarine. It, it should have like, I we're on the submarine for all of like five minutes before again, they meet the Leviathan and it blows the whole darn thing. Yeah. Up. It's just I like, there could have been so much more time spent on these characters getting to know them. Like, I think one of the best parts, like David and I actually said this while watching it is there is a moment when they're like underground and uh, they're around the fire and then they just start talking and they actually, we actually get to know our characters better. Get to know some backstory. Yeah. Like I, why, where was that for the rest of the film? Seriously. I, I feel, I, I, I almost feel like though, because like, I don't know, some weird cynic, cynic in me came out during that exact scene and I was like, oh, now we're just now we're just getting shoved exposition because we, you know, we know nothing about these characters. And I was like, I don't know why I would think that because it is very sweet. And I do enjoy like like, you know, the fact that we're learning more about these characters. But I'm just like, oh, well, now now we're we're finally just being shoved information because the movie, you know, we, we have no reason to enjoy these characters yet, really. Yeah, but it's it. I I I get that, but it's, it's such an important scene though because I'm craving the information when it comes. I'm like, oh, these are like great little character backstories. It's like what you'd write down if you're playing a role playing. Oh yeah. Um, um, and you get it for you get little little details about a lot of them, and, and, and I like some of the gags that that come up as as these happen. There's callbacks to stuff like the bone saw. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I wish we could have spent more time on the submarine a little bit before, uh, Leviathan showed up. And by the way, that all happens, you know, snap, 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 snap. We see a ship graveyard. Leviathan shows up. It's a clearly CG monster with cell shading. Um, uh, oh yeah. There's a mix of CG, a lot of mix of CG and anim- 2D animation. In right. This. And a good chunk of the time it does work. I don't think it works here with the Leviathan. It, it didn't work too well with the Leviathan. Now, now he, I... Did I catch like I could be wrong here and it just could be the animation, but the, they there there were some points, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were definitely some points where they used 3D models of for the characters, right? For our main characters. And they they Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't just you, because I think it's that long panning shot where it goes from under the sub past the like main uh the main bay like window. And then up and beyond, like as the sub is descending and you see Milo in the window, I'm pretty sure that some of the characters moving through there were CG because it reminded me of um, <laughs> the end of Hunchback. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I was like, it just, something seemed off about it. I was like, oh, hold on now. Like, I, it just, it didn't sit right with me for some reason. Um, and I, I actually have nothing against using CGI mixed with 2D animation. There's a lot of times it does work, but I feel like, this doesn't, and I, I, it's like, you can say, oh, well, it's 2001, and yes, there are sometimes I can say, oh, it's 2001, but, I mean, we should be better at this by this point, you think? Yeah, it's all right, I can, it wasn't too distracting, I think it, it works, and again, the CG wasn't, the CG wasn't so distracting that it pulled me out of the movie, it's True. here that it gets close. Yeah. Leviathan is a cool idea, but... I don't know. I'm like, I think I'm a little bit like awe about the submarine. So I wasn't, I didn't dig this scene as much as some of the later. We didn't spend enough ones. time with the submarine. Yeah. So. And it's already killing people. And we get like all these little subs that come out and they're like crazy attack subs that fly out and, or, you know, zoom out and fire torpedoes and there's a big fight and then they escape into a crevice. And 
Um, I do like that we had that, like you mentioned earlier, that quiet moment where they actually, you know, push the candle out and try to honor the people who died. Um, and it's interesting because like when I first saw this, I didn't know necessarily Rourke was going to be the villain. Knowing knowing now what I know then, I'm looking for the little tells and they're there, but they're they're subtle enough, actually. They're very, they're very subtle to where it's like, yeah, at what first viewing of watching this, you're like, oh, like I who's gonna be the main, like, you know, antagonist in this movie? Mm-hmm. And and it, yeah, like they're I definitely picked them up, pick uh, well, wow. I picked up on them a lot more um the second viewing. Like I think you're absolutely right. It's like, oh, he said he said that a little weird, or or like just just the way he handles some things, and it's like, oh wow. Like there's about the fact that he's more mercenary, like just yeah. little things yeah. about money. You know, it, it makes sense. Uh so we already kind of talked about the 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 like there's the montage of them going like doing the journey to the center of the earth thing where it gets very Jules Verne-esque. And I like that yes. part too. Mm-hmm. Um, with Milo kind of leading the way from the journal. I mean, it definitely gets established early on that Milo is really good at just apparently just picking up languages. He's well, a linguist. That's his job. He's, He's a, a linguist. linguist. Yeah. And it's really cool to see that strength being utilized. And it becomes a major plot point in the movie, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we they get to that cavern with that big glowing thing up yes. on the ceiling. And then Milo goes off to, you know, do his business in the <laughs> middle of the night. And uh, the firefly, and we we get little glimpses of the of some of the mastic plantians following them, but it's not till after the firefly attack that they meet, right? Yes. Okay, but the fire, I, you know, it's weird. The firefly attack also kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere, but it works, like because of the it's, light. It just like I, it definitely they're, did they're not feel hostile like, like later. A, they're not hostile later, which I still don't really understand why yeah. they're not hostile later. Like yeah, it, it's obvious, like or at least what in the in the movies canon it sets up that they uh they you know are affected by light is it directional light why are they able to to you know not be crazy in the day in atlantis like it, it just yeah. it's a lot of questions that i had left why didn't being... why didn't the campfire bother them like there's light from the campfires of this camp that they made my i'm wondering if it's just maybe if it, they touch something with their like uh with their bodies that's what when it catches on fire it's just Maybe. And it just, it became, they just kind of herded for the most part when that happened. I don't know. That's uh, for the most part. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the mythology does work. You could tell that's where most of the effort was put in. Cause when we get to Atlantis, that's when we, re- I like, I really feel like, yeah, they put a lot of effort into this. I can see this as a culture. I can see um, this as a location um, I do like the fact they did create their own language and it's not just like if you if, I mean if you watch like old movies uh that were based off Jules Verne stories, it's like, oh, they all happen to speak English and are white with blonde, <laughs> blue-eyed people. <laughs> um I feel like that was always the case in like 1960s. Yeah. Go, there's aliens and they just happen to be human <laughs> that speak English. And they're white. And they're white. It's just like um no, that's it, like I, I feel like that's where most of the effort gets put in. And actually, that's where all the visuals tend to shine. Like once mm-hmm. they reach Atlantis, it's like, OK, I feel like I'm in a movie here. Yeah. And yeah. that's when they take the time to actually slow down and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get too far, because if there's a firefly attack and more people blow up and die and it sucks. And then, you know, Milo falls off a thing. He gets healed by Kida. We see Kida for the first time and she's uh, she's rad. Yeah. Um, 
too, too bad to her. I don't know why. Again. I, underdeveloped as a character. And I don't know why. There's something which sh- we spend enough time with her. I don't know why I feel she's underdeveloped. I I feel like she's underdeveloped just because, like, is for as much time that we spend with her, I, I feel like the only trait that I remember about Kita is, is like, oh, she she doesn't put up with bullcrap. Like, like that's that's really it. With and I don't know. Like, I'm trying to list off like Kita's traits in my mind, and I'm I'm just having a hard time trying to 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 think of of traits for her other than like yeah she's you know kind of like spry like a little like milo but obviously to a much bigger degree she's Um, she's got the whole like she's in opposition to her father our culture is dying we got to do something you know it's very kind of the 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 disney princess standing in opposition to a parent figure that's also another issue what does she mean that their culture is dying that really doesn't get explained well is it the fact they don't remember certain parts of their history is that it like 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 the fish machines and such or is it yeah yeah i I think i yeah because she also there's the line of yeah our our people don't know how to read atlantean um and and that's yeah go ahead I, I no i i was just gonna say i i'm i'm with you like i i think that's it but why is that it doesn't make sense why that's important to her uh because she lost her mother? Yeah, I guess, like, she lost her mother and she doesn't want to lose anybody else, even though I'm assuming natural death is sort of a, a thing in Atlantis. Like, sure, like, there, there's a there's a point brought up in the movie where Milo realizes that she's, you know, 8,000 years old, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, she still looks fairly young, so that means her father's, I don't know, probably at least in the... Like like some absurd number, probably fifty <laughs> to sixty thousand. So it's like, yeah, sure, death takes a long time, but I'm assuming death still happens in this culture. So it's like, why are you like, yeah, it, it, it's an odd thing to be concerned about. The, on the eight thousand year point, I want to put a pin in that. Okay, <laughs> All right, okay, I'll put a pin in that real quick, and we'll pull that back out later because I want to raise a point when we get to that <laughs> point. That I, something I, something I realized of these supporting characters, like we get mm-hmm. that moment where they're all together of the of the like team. Do you, do you have, I mean, fleshed or lack of fleshing out as they are, do you have a favorite among them? Who would you say um, you like? Because hmm. I want to lead toward Audrey. I kind of want to lead toward Audrey too. Just- but I also like, I also like Sweet. Sweet, Sweet's fantastic. I'm going to be the odd man out here actually and say as much of, you know, haha, funny, comedic, like slapstick relief he is. I actually really like Mole just because like he's, he's <laughs> this gross, like mole person. And I love, <laughs> I love him because of how gross he is. Oh yeah. Actually, one of my favorite bits is actually when he stops being weird and gross for a second and his ge- geological knowledge kicks in and he talks about being in a, character <laughs> being in a volcano. Yeah. He suddenly remembers his one dimension that he has other than being comedic relief. Yeah. I, I feel like the, he is also... Yes, the, speak my language, says something rude to Kita that gets him... Yeah, something, you know. yeah, says something horribly rude to her and offensive, and I was like, ooh, yeah. what a, I wish I could know what he said. Honestly, if all the rest of the characters were more developed, he is the one character I would not mind just being one-dimensional since he is a comedic relief. Yeah. But I, mean, I, like, I like some of the ideas with Audrey, and I like, you know, 
I like I like the the what everybody could be, and yeah. there's moments that they they do stand out, and I like them. Like I want more. Like Vinny has <laughs> like Sweet has says things that make me laugh. Vinny has said things that made me laugh. Audrey has said things that would make that made me laugh. I actually think her first opening line of "Cheese, uh, I used to take much lunch money from guys like these." <laughs> I thought that was a funny line. I think. Uh, uh, Vinny, um, Vinny has a lot of funny lines. Like, um, it's like, huh, we, uh, we killed people and, uh, we've done a lot of terrible things. This, this double parking. <laughs> we never killed anyone. I mean, we at killed- least not anyone who we knew. <laughs> no, we knew. Um, no, like there's a lot of funny lines, uh, uh from these individuals or like the fact that it's like what's the story trust me you do not want to know audrey don't tell him you told me and i didn't want to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i like at points the film's like how like quick this film is going it blends to the comedy sometimes because yeah. it, it it very much oddly is like verbal slapstick it's yes. glib. it's the writing like the, the dialogue is smart and snappy mm-hmm. and glib but it goes so fast Brr- I had to rewind the Whitmore scene a couple times to be like, wait, what? What? It, what? <laughs> like, she's trying to call people. It's like, hold on, Margie. Let me get you a call. Everyone to the ship. Da, da, da. Margie, is that you? Yeah. And there's like an emergency going on and she's still talking to Margie. No, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll call you. <laughs> and, <sighs> and the funny thing is she has service on this ship. Which yeah, means- I want to know who Margie is. <laughs> Like, yeah, seriously. I honestly, what I what I took Margie as, I thought it was just someone else in the ship. Go like as as this emergency is happening, there's still like these two dotting old women just talking to each other on the ship is like an emergency is happening. Yeah, it's like, I, and I, I I don't know. There's something humorous about that. Um, it's like Margie, you should just leave him. <laughs> yeah, <that was laughs> he, yeah, he packed a suitcase. I, let me tell you, he's not coming back. <laughs> it very, it very, it, it, like it, a lot of the, not only cadence, but obviously, like you know, the main like joke of of uh, Packard was she's the Roz type character. You know, very yeah. slow speaking and very blunt about everything. It's, it's timing. It's comedic timing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, could- You're gonna want this. She sleepwalks. I sleep in the nude. I sleep in the nude. Um, again, really, again, quick jokes. And then when they, when they're told, When they land, they land. Yeah. Uh, I don't, sadly, uh, I don't think Cookie's that funny. Yeah. It's great to hear Jim Varney's it's, voice. No, Jim Varney. Jim Varney's amazing. I like Jim Varney as an actor. Um, uh, I, I mean, him as Ernest is always great. <laughs> I don't think... He wasn't given as much comedy as he could have. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't even like like. I was watching this with my girlfriend last night, and she pointed out we technically didn't see Cookie like get on to any of the submarines, and and it it just suddenly Cookie is now here serving the um the you know the 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 food when they make camp, and I just I did find that funny. I was like. I'm sure we could have gotten some sort of funny scene of Cookie, like saying, "Oh, this was just like back in back in Louisiana," like like as he's getting into a sub. Yeah, him him like shoving a bunch of food supplies into an emergency sub so that they could get out of there. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. like, something, yeah, he something leaves, like that. Leaves the vegetables, keeps like <laughs> yeah, I, like I'm already imagining the scene in my head. He he's like putting like lard and stuff in the submarine. He takes a look at a stock of celery, goes eh, and he throws it behind him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you could expand this movie a little bit, and it would be like so much more 
Uh, you, you could take more time with it, I feel like. And- it's And the movie's not even, like, the, the movie wouldn't, it, I don't think it would hinder itself being longer. No. This is only an hour and a half movie. Yeah. I, the trouble, tricky thing is, too, is, um, and a lot of reviewers said this, they didn't know who their audience was. And it's true. It's true. But it's fair. And there, cause it's like, I, I understand that there's a, that it technically it's supposed to be meant for kids. And that's probably why they kept an hour half and a half long. Cause most of the movies, uh, if you think about animated films tend to be at the hour and a half long length. Well, that's what, that's what four years of working on a movie will get you in they, that. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, and that I think they're thinking, well, if kids are watching it, that's going to keep, that's what keeps their attention span. And you have to keep it as short as possible but there are a lot of adult jokes to this yeah uh there's a lot of adult humor in this so people are kind of wondering who is this supposed to appeal to and i feel like most it it, it ditched a lot of the sort of like disney formula in a lot of ways it did yeah um <sighs> I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like this is what's fascinating about talking about this movie compared to others is like, we've been jumping around a lot. And I think, cause there's just a lot of, uh, to unpack with this movie instead of like kind of going, Oh, this movie's great. And here's a scene and here's a scene and here's a scene. Each sort of sector of this movie introduces like, you know, keeps, keeps things just piling things on. on that are based on things we already kind of talked about. Like I could, ju- I could just really like, blithely say okay so now we're at the point they're at atlantis they're learning about it we start to see rourke uh and helga being like there's no treasure we gotta find the treasure and that's when you start to realize that there's something even if you weren't paying attention they're start. that's when the, the more evil side of them starts to come out the treasure mm-hmm. hunter and uh kayla didn't you say that a lot of people think this is like an anti like this the message of this film has a kind of like anti-capitalist vibe to it yeah so um film scholars have pointed out that this actually has an anti-imperialism anti-capitalism type feel well, anti-imperialism for sure yeah that's i feel like that's a pretty like apparent like that's yeah one of the main things is yeah imperialism bad yeah cuz i mean that's uh i mean they discover this culture and the first thing that these people do is like these uh the bad guys do is like no we're just here to take something and sell it to the highest bidder. It doesn't matter what it is. We don't care if we ruin a culture along the way. So, which is that's very anti imperialist. Mm-hmm. But that, that strikes me more than anti capitalism because guess what? At the end, uh, the good guys <laughs> get a, a metric ton of gold and end up very, very rich. I find it actually, I do find that it was a great guy because at the end it's like, oh, we wish we could give you more. And then they pans to them carrying all this gold. They're like, I, I think we're good. <laughs> and, this then is a good the, gag. and then at the end, they're at like Whitmore's house and they're all like dressed like Yeah, they're these- all yeah, they all deck themselves out like what I'm assuming is almost immediately when they got off. Yeah. Like they just bought everything, like the fanciest clothes, and they're like, so just remember, you didn't find anything. Nope, nothing. What happened to this person got lost. I mean, Whitmore doesn't need the money. He's already wealthy. As yeah, that. he's already he's already wealthy. I, so hold on then. Uh, now that we have gotten to like the point where the, you know, obviously the crew was in it for the money and in the very beginning, yeah, they betrayed everyone. Can we talk about like, did Whitmore know that like the crew was going to betray every, like, the crew was going to like go for that route? Because as the sub is going down and he like has his thumbs up, he also has his fingers crossed behind his back. And oh. I I took that as Whitmore knows 
or Whitmore knew what the I, true intention I, of this like voyage was. I don't think so. Cause remember that the one line he said, and then they go back to it at the end of the movie. He's like, I just want one piece of proof, whatever that may be. Cause yeah. That, and uh, that's, that's like, that's, that's like the, the sort of smoking gun for my argument, but I'm just like, why else would he cross his fingers while the sub's going down and he's giving a thumbs up? I just, it just made me very confused. It's very, that's very interesting. I didn't think I even noticed that, but now that you're like mentioning like, holy crap. Yeah. Maybe, Ooh. maybe because maybe he, more to wait more than we know. I don't know. Cause the, I Cause mean, maybe, cause like he might have the best intentions, but maybe he knows that the, uh, the people he's hiring, you know, even though they worked with Thaddeus, maybe he knows they're just in it for the money. Maybe he knows yeah. that they're mercenaries. I mean, they're mercenaries. Where are you going to get an experienced group of people? They're going to be expensive. I mean, yeah. I mean, granted, the Whitmore has the money, at least. But he's already, he's already paying them, presumably, right? Yeah. Fair, no, yeah. He's already paying them. They're expecting to get a lot of money out of this. Uh, and yet they're going to hijack the this this finding for even more money? Yeah. Because they're evil? Well, they're greedy like well, that? Because Whitmore was like... I mean, he all he wants is proof of Atlantis. Like he's he, as far as on the surface, he has altruistic reasons for doing this. Yes, mm-hmm. he, he's doing it in order to honor Thaddeus. But why? Yes, and he, just also because he lost a bet. And he lost yeah, a bet. And although it's funny, it's like he's he, rich enough that he doesn't need to do this for fame. I mean, or money so much of a bet. Variety. I think this was kind of funny. So much of a bet. They took a picture of them. He's like, I'll even kiss you. Open lips on the mouth. And they took a picture <laughs> of them being disgusted by it. I'm like, wait, wait. Not only did you like make this bet and made that promise you're like wait wait we need to get a picture we gotta we gotta document this <laughs> look i shipped thaddeus and Whitmore. <laughs> yeah i, I, I <laughs> yeah i, I shipped fit more <laughs> you know what i think i i think you know what i think i think whitmore's like you know i find him attractive maybe i am gay and then realizes nope i'm not mm. and <laughs> well it was worth a shot then that's <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, now I know for sure. <laughs> Maybe and, and it just that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it just like we really are hopping everywhere, like going from scene to scene, and I feel like that's because like that's just sort of the vibe of this movie. It hops. Yeah, everywhere. it does hop it, around a lot. I mean, to be fair, I think Kayla and I recognize that the pacing does slow a little bit when we get to Atlantis, which is nice because we want to take in, we want to drink in this yes. lost city and admire it and admire the colors and admire the things going on and the effort put into it. We spend a little time with Milo and Kita together. Uh, Kita, by the way, uh, I know like, yeah, there's not a lot going for it, but I got to hand it to Cree Summer. Yeah. Like she does a great job playing that character. She's she like, I, I knew it's as Cree soon Summer. as like she started talking. Yeah. It's Cree Summer. I was like, I, I know that voice. That's voice. number five. It's so distinct and like so much a part of like our childhood. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Cree Summer has done so many character voices. We were just watching like uh, a, because you know we're recording this in October, we just watched a, a tiny, like a Tiny Toons Halloween special, and of course Elmira shows. I'm like that. We just literally just watched. You <laughs> were just in our life, please. Uh, it's like, uh, gosh, she was like Penny and in Inspector Gadget. She was um, like, if I uh, like, she, like you said, number five in number uh, five in uh, uh, uh Kids Next Door. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Go name kiss next door. Uh, Susie Carmichael. That's in right. Oh my god. Oh, she was. Oh my god. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, her her credits are insane. Like the n- type of voice acting she has done. 
And again, she's it, a voice acting empress. What can you say? Oh yeah. It's disappointing that her character is so underdeveloped because technically this is the first uh, black princess and because she is a princess and her father's the king. Her father's the king. She is voiced by a black voice actress. And ah, why couldn't they have developed it so much better? And like she could have been. They tried, but there was. They did not. I was about to say, did they try? Okay, fair. (laughs) They do, okay, visually, they tried and they succeeded. I think Kida is a memorable looking character, that's for sure. And like, yeah. there's also, like, I really want to talk about the moment, like, so so she and Milo do, like, the diving where they, like, learn the thing about the heart of Atlantis. Rourke betrays them. They get caught. But then they do that whole thing where they go down under the, the king's chamber and they find the heart. And it there's that whole long, just almost wordless sequence where Kida just like becomes uh, connected to the consciousness of the heart and has that mythical, that mystical, like I'm melding with it. I'm becoming a glowing being like the animation there and the music. That's it's so good. It's so yeah. gorgeous. I, 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 I never noticed it. Like, well, like, like I said, lots of things I've noticed like this second viewing um, or like not second viewing, but like, you know, the, the viewing after a long time of not watching it. Right. Um, and like I, I never noticed like the detail of when the statues are falling around her, and like you just see the little like orb around her that is like almost like like you know it's parting the water under her, and it's just this complete circle of I, I don't want to say protection because I don't water? yeah of not water, and it's like as the stones are falling around her, the water is is washing off the orb, and I just thought that was so neat, just such yeah. a, such a pretty scene. It's a great little attention to detail. This is why people have said, is this meant for kids or is this meant for adults? Because as a kid, I thought this scene was weird. Like I was watching, I'm like, I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. Why are we do, uh, huh? Yeah, why did why did the crystal pick her up and why is she glowing now? Like, I'm pretty sure I, that, that was my exact thoughts when I watched this as a kid. She chaos emeralds and became super cute. <laughs> Jeez. Get me so much. I'm upset at how good that got me. <laughs> I win. I win. <laughs> I've become super Kina. <laughs> no, you have to have her yelling for. <laughs> oh God. So, but as I need to go pick up the seven chaos crystals. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I agree with you. I think as a kid, I'm like, this scene is good. It looks good. But what is happening? I don't think I wrap my head around the implications as, of what was going on. As an adult, on. I'm like looking, I'm like, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. I totally get it. The mythology is insanely great. But as a kid, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Why is this happening? This is so confusing to me. Why is she glowing? Why are we focusing on this for a good like five minutes? I don't understand. My 11 year old brain cannot handle this. I do appreciate that dying lettered Nimoy lays it out for us though, the king. Yes. And he explains that like the heart is basically like the collected sort of like consciousness of the city. It's powered by the, people's the emotions. cities and it's like rulers. Yeah, it's it's somehow royal blood connects with it more and like it's this power source, but also like it's got a consciousness of its own. It merged with Kita. Uh, they're like I said, the Atlanteans themselves, it's like there's there's cool, like you said, cool mythology. There's some neat stuff worked in here. I like this take on Atlantis as this like how they they make the technologically advanced aspects of it tie in with a very mystical idea. Yes. There's there's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's 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 magic, it's magic tech. Yeah. Um, 
which then it gets cool when we get, um, you know, like you'd think that the scene where like everybody turns their backs on Rourke would be more meaningful if we'd gotten to know these characters better, but you kind of see it coming because they're the good guys. Yeah. Um, but we get to the bit where Milo teaches everyone how to use the, um, the, the ships. Yeah. The aircraft. And, um, that, the, that part's, that part's cool. Like we get the, the fight in the volcano in the dormant volcano. And with, it's a great fight. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love the like biplane gliders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were so cool. I, I like, I, it, once again, as an adult, I can appreciate this stuff so much more than as like a, a, a dumb kid who's like, why, why are those planes so small? <laughs> I really appreciate <laughs> Like the, the in order to get them airborne, there's no runway, so they're they're launched out of essentially like a trebuchet that's yeah. the back of one of the trucks, and I'm like, that is so cool. Like mm-hmm. I love that detail. Like it makes so much. They're just launching them. They load them up. They get one of the stormtrooper gas mask yeah. pilots. <laughs> I just this part is awesome, and the it's such a great action sequence. You got the balloon yep. going up, and then like there's a fight with Rourke and. and and then, like, Rourke throws Helga off a oh, thing. We went. We were going to discuss... Oh, it. I'm sorry. Let me take that pin back out. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here, here you go, David. I took it out of the submarine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Kita is up around... Kita and the rest of the Atlanteans are around 8,000 years old or something, right? Roughly? Yes. Roughly, yeah. The mural underneath, when they're looking at it, shows the Atlanteans defending their city from different cultures. Like, you could see other, like, real-world cultures kind of invading. Like, there's almost, like, some Knights Templar-looking people, some Viking-looking people. And I'm like, was this all before the city fell, or have they had to defend Atlantis since then? And when the king is dying, he says the tragedy that strikes Atlantis, the cataclysm, is somehow caused by him wanting to um, create a weapon of war? He he alludes to that he did it. I think like yeah, he, but he, like I I ended up succeeding and I brought down Atlantis with me. We never know exactly what happens though. We never know what he did that causes the cataclysm. Uh huh. Yeah. So, but what I'm wondering is like based on the timing of everything, were these cultures attacking? Like, were they making war with these other cultures because they like mural depicts them fighting off invaders from other places? But I think- was. About or was the was it more of a depiction of these are things, but it, but it was underwater and they would have forgotten it. So, so they must they must have been these must have been well, the people they were warring with eight like over eight thousand years ago. I think so. So, so I, maybe like loose uh, approximations of cultures that would come uh, later. Here's the thing. I think this is the idea of um, uh, adds to the whole anti imperialism thing because I think that's what the Atlanteans probably did. They fought these cultures in hopes of like conquering them and then realized that led to their downfall. Oh, and the that's reason interesting, okay. And I think the kind again, um, very Ozymandias. Um, it is. Well, I was about to say, uh, my, my lizard brain making another Sonic references. This is. <laughs> This is um, what happened in Sonic Adventure when the Knuckles tribe tried to use the Chaos Emeralds to conquer oh other tribes. Oh my god! It's the Atlantis story again, David. I don't, I don't know if I can handle any more Sonic references <laughs> on this podcast. I think my, I think my limit is two, and if we go one more, I don't, I may just explode. Okay, <laughs> and I okay. may just combust spontaneously if I hear the mention of any other Sonic. <laughs> okay, well, I got, I got it out of my system. I'm good. 
We're good. We look, we have reached the polar ice cap, a region of deep water where the sun has never penetrated. Oh, there's a dog outside. There's a dog in the submarine. Hold on. All right. So, um, yeah, I think that's why that's the whole anti-imperialism idea. And um, that's what leads to their downfall. And if you think about it this way, 8,000 years. These people have been alive for 8,000 years. Do you guys even remember what life was like, you know, 15 years ago? Yeah, or like on a more like, I guess, extreme 1,000 years ago. Do you remember what life was like then? Like... Well, Okay, but I mean, in your lifetime, even if you oh, in my life-, life, I thought you were talking about for the Atlanteans. I'm like, no, fifteen no. years isn't no for no. me. For for me, Jordan, fifteen years, I absolutely cannot remember anything. Of, exactly. Well, that would that would put me at uh, fifty. Uh, that put me at oh, math thirteen. That would put me at thirteen. So I was in middle school at the time, and that's about it. I I, I, I like I was in middle school, and I other than that, can't remember anything else really. <laughs> Yeah. So point being, like, could you imagine trying to remember like, oh, what happened like 8,000 years ago? Eh, I mean, Atlanteans, well, that's that. But that raises the point. That's why they forgot. They forgot their writing. They forgot how to use their technology, like the slow degradation of memory as they age super, super slowly. Like I imagine these Atlanteans, a lot of them are the same Atlanteans that lost the city thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. They live a really, really long time, partly because they're probably because they're imbued with the the crystal energy. Yeah. Which real quick, can we so I when the crystal, well not the crystal, when the heart of Atlantis is imbued with Ankita, mm-hmm. um, they they like, you know, bottle her up and <laughs> they they go, you know what, save this one for later, put it in the freezer. Um which hold on actually side side tangent. Are they just going to sell a woman to the Kaiser? Like, yes. like yeah, yeah, she's a woman, but guess what? She's got plenty of power in her. Is this also, is this before or in the midst? The Great War would have started in 19... 19- it's 1914. It's 1914. Yes. So we don't know if the war is going on yet or not, or do we? Or I do think we? I think it is because Milo specifically says, like, they're going to sell her to the Kaiser. That, yeah, um, you, let, let me you think look. if the war was going on, that would factor in. I, I, I could tell you when it started. Just, it started in July 1914. So it's. It could be before. It could be before the war, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Kaiser would have still been on people's minds. I mean, for all we know, like. In, in the like, they don't really delve into that. That's not what the movie's about. But yes, you know, knowing history, they chose 1914. And my first thought is like, this could be after, you know, the assassination Archduke Ferdinand. We we don't know though. We just know it's it's either just happening or it's impending. Yeah. Um. Uh, do, yeah. Well, we don't we don't have a month. Uh, like we only just have the year of nineteen fourteen. And I I don't know. I feel like granted, yes, it's a Disney movie, but I feel like if they would have made it during the war times, at least the opening scene of people driving around and and you know driving cars and living their lives happily, I feel like that would have been a little bit different if it was during the time of war. Yeah, uh, but I can see the selling to the Kaiser thing being a point. And actually, you raise a very good point. They do, are they going to advertise instead of advertising her as Atlantean? They could go with the Pepsi route and advertise it as Crystal Atlantean. And. I- <laughs> I, I'm also looking this up. Uh, America entered the world World War One. Yes, World War One technically began in 1914, but the U.S. entered in 1970. Right. It took the sinking of the Lusitania to get. Okay. The war. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that hasn't yeah, we happened wouldn't have yet. Been, okay. All right. 
But even then, like, but then we're not again, quite into Great War status yet. Then again, they did bring in like people from different countries. Like, uh, I mean, Vinny's from uh, Italy. Italy. Uh, Mole is from France. Um, yeah. I'm trying to go through. Uh, although the, the others are American for the most part. As far as we know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I Helga, for some reason, just had a very, like, weird, like, Russian spy vibe to me. A little bit, um, yeah. Same, yeah. Yeah, um, like, I don't know, just something something about her. It's like, you know, the 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 a, the seducer who is a, secretly a Russian spy, spy. That's always the vibe I've gotten of her, even as, like, a child, like, if, watching this. If only the characters were more developed. Anyway. Right, if only we could know. <laughs> Oh, here's the other pin I wanted to pull out because I set this in way earlier. Hold on. Yes. Oh, I wanna, oh, ooh, oh. that was that was in my arm. Ow. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I dug that one into the corkboard a little deep. Didn't realize we we're sitting directly on the other side of it. My apologies. Yeah, I don't know why the corkboard's even on me, but like, I sure. Well, I guess. We're, we're talking to each other. It's it's, it's 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 in lieu of social distancing in a submarine. <laughs> we have to have barriers between us. So oh, know, so mine's the corkboard. Yeah. Exactly. Now, granted, uh, I, I also want to thank our good friends, uh, Justin Keyzone and Andrew Lindy for uh, shamelessly of the Nothing New podcast and allowing me to basically steal the, uh, let me put a pin in it bit. So, okay, I, I looked it up. Audrey is Puerto Rican and um, uh, uh, Jordan is correct. Uh, Helga is German. German. Yes. Okay. Well, I said, I said Russian, not German. Oh, German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's German. Well, Hel- everybody's Russian. Helga. Everybody's Russian here. Although Helga, I mean, Helga. It it could go either way. Yeah. So this is the bit I brought up earlier where I remembered something that I don't, I wonder if it was just a manufactured memory or if something was changed and I don't, maybe you can all set me, set me straight on this. Uh So, so Helga gets thrown out of the Zeppelin or the balloon. Yes. Which came and, you know, presumably thrown to her death. Now, I'm not putting, I don't know if I want to put this on our plummet counter, Kayla, because she survives the fall. The fall is not what kills her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's there on the ground and she's clearly hurt, but she ends up getting and pointing the flare gun at the balloon. Uh, Rourke eventually is killed by being slashed with a crystal energy infused piece of glass and turning into a crystal man who then gets shattered uh, by the blades of the, um, the, Balloon. Very, very is, Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque. Yeah. It's very Raiders, and it's awesome. Like, it, again, matches the tone of the movie very well. Um, When the balloon falls and crashes, um, it... It, um, I seem to remember, like, like Milo has to move Akita's box out of the way. But for some reason, I remember the balloon falling on Helga and that's the last we see of her. Why do I remember that too? <laughs> you remember that too? I swear to God, I remember that. Yes. Okay. Did, did something change somewhere? Like, I, I, I can't don't know. I, Cause I'm watching this and I'm waiting for it to happen. Cause that's what I remember is like, like obviously Rourke dies as he smashed. And then Hel- uh, Helga, who was on her way out anyway, gets, gets uh you know obviously it's it's done tastefully you don't see it gets smashed by the burning wreckage of the zeppelin they even allude yes. to it at the end mm-hmm. they say well, well what about helga oh, crushed by a vault falling uh, balloon uh rourke oh he went to pieces you know that yep. whole thing mm-hmm. but since we don't see that in i didn't see it watching it a second time like the, the balloon falls and they run and then the magma starts coming up so presumably either way she's toast because she 
probably just lies there and gets you know buried in magma. Yeah. But I remember this from my viewing. Do you? No, it's been so long. Okay. I I oddly have a we we might be mixing it up with another maybe action movie about like people who are going on a journey. That's the only thing I can I think of. I I'm so confused. It may, does does anyone else have this? Anyone else out there? Let me let us know in the feedback. Like I need to know if anyone else remembers this, or if it's just me manufacturing a memory of of the balloon falling on Helga. By yes, the way, and it is very possible that I, you know, my my subconscious is also feeding off that and going, yeah, I remember that too. But I swear to God, I remember that. Yeah. But I, now I'm, I gotta ask: Does this count as part of the plummet counter? I would say no, only because this does not lead to uh, her the, demise. The fall does not. The fall doesn't kill her. But she's dying when she shoots the gun. I mean, isn't the, the but she's dying? Well, we, we for all we know, she could have survived that fall. I mean, I mean, and she could not- have lasted longer. Like it wasn't like a prolonged. Like she's she's lying there, clearly hurt, but she's not dead. Good point. And then like for all the fall that deep though, I feel like not deep, but obviously like steep. I feel like it should have killed her. Like I feel well, like she should have been dead from a fall. She, that, the like, fact that she does the pulls the no hard feelings or nothing personal thing and fires the gun feels like a finality move. But yes. I don't like. But but again, there's it's entirely possible that if she had gotten medical attention, she might have survived. But no, she's a villain. So obviously that's her last act. Her last act of like, you know, screw you, back to Rourke. Yeah. So because we know I she's really, gonna die. I, I do wish we could have seen a little bit more of like we we saw for a second. And mm-hmm. when they enter Atlantis, where Helga goes, "Hey, Rourke, there weren't supposed to be people here. This changes the plan." Yeah, I, 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 I wish, I wish we could have seen a little bit more humility within Helga. Yeah, me too. She, she's but, but just, just once again, we get no road. time with these characters. No, none. Um, I mean, basically, I just. Hmm. I don't know if I'd put it on the plummet counter. That's just what I'm saying. Yeah, she could have died any other way. It's like we do see her life after the fact. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when is it? It's kind of like Scar when he he did fall, but he didn't. It wasn't the fall that killed him. Yeah, it was the hyenas eating him. And we don't know mm-hmm. if it is the fall that kills her. It hurts her. It's like, not implied that it's the fall that kills her. Either it's the balloon falling on her in my manufactured memory, or the fact that they ditch her and she gets buried in the uh, volcanic eruption. Either way, she's she's toast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because it's not confirmed. She didn't. We didn't just see her fall, and that's it. We yeah. actually do see her alive. Okay. No yeah. plummet. She yeah, yeah, yeah. No plummet. So no plummet this time, but that's okay. So and then uh Rourke dies weird. with the smash. He gets smashed. He gets smashed. Yep. <laughs> he gets pasted, turned to crystal dust. Um yep. and everybody else flees back to Atlantis where Kita does a magic thing and uh helps save the city. I'm I'm very confused on why. Like, was it so was it the crystal that chose to not spare Kita, but to give Kita back to 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 the gang and to the Atlanteans? Because, like, why didn't her mother have that choice or that chance, you know? That's what I don't understand. I think part of the King's explanation made that make sense. Like, I wanted to give Kida a choice where my my wife couldn't. But then, mm-hmm. but why would the, why would the gods give her that option? That's the weird part. Because she's more yes. in tune with it? I don't know. I, this is where the, the thread loses me. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> That's fair. There, yeah, there's points I feel like, um, there's parts of this that are a bit underdeveloped. I think they put too much focus on certain things that they could have given more focus to other things. 
Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, No, no, go ahead. No, you, you, go ahead. (laughs) As I just stutter like an idiot. No, Um, (laughs) it's, um, I feel like this movie wraps up into perfectly nice of a bow, you know, like, especially for how quick we've been going. It it just, it, it, it suddenly feels like, like we have now, we've been going 90 from 90 to zero very quick. <laughs> like like we've been going ninety the whole time for for you know we we went from ninety to seventy and it, when we got to Atlantis and then we went from seventy for you know the last forty five minutes to zero very quickly and I, I I don't know it just this whole movie feels like whiplash to me it's it's I think that's that's my problem with the movie overall is I'm very sensitive to pacing and the movie's pacing is all over the place yeah mm-hmm. sometimes it's paced well sometimes it's not paced well at all. The action scenes are fine, but I'd like there to be slower moments. It's one of the reasons I'm not crazy about uh, movies that are like action, 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 and don't take enough time to help us feel like we're in with the characters. It's not just new movies that do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that said, though, it's nice to know Milo gets to, you know, chill in Atlantis. They come up with an explanation for him not being there. Uh, he and Kita are bonded at this point. It, it, luckily, I mean, they, own, they don't do like a giant kiss or anything because we don't spend enough time with them as a romantic couple. Let's be honest here. Yes. There's, there's not enough chemistry, but at least they show it's like they're them holding hands is like, okay, there's a potential, you know, it, it's hinted at, but it's never fully like, yeah, they're totally a couple now. Mm-hmm. Which is, it was I kind of, I think, I, is it, isn't it elaborated in the second? Like, I, I, it's been like just as long, if not longer, since I've seen the second movie. Well, um, it, it's elaborating the second movie that like they. Oh wait, am I? Hold on, is that is that a future episode? Am I not? No, in, no. Uh, we're, for, oh, uh, in, good. In, animes, in the world of animusings, in our podcast, in this world, uh, sequels. The sequels do not exist. Well, no, fantastic. Okay, no, 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 okay no, then. No, no, no. The direct DVD. The direct DVD sequels. Direct video. Okay, sequels. that is fair. That that is fair and reasonable. And you know what? I will agree with you on that front. They don't <laughs> exist. Okay, because like, because then we'd have to talk about Cinderella three, and I or which oh, I hear no. is actually pretty good. I I don't remember. I, I will. I remember watching that movie, and I do not remember enjoying it. That is all I will say. No, no, but I, I am I, also. I, I was like, also Cinderella like, two is bad. But like, well, actually, people say that Cinderella three is not that bad, but it doesn't matter. I don't want to have to even think consider uh, a Cinderella. <laughs> let, let me 3, put it to you this but. way: I don't want to watch the sequel to Pocahontas. I don't want to watch <laughs> the sequel to Fox and the Hound. We I, did. We actually could have done, talked about Return to Neverland. Which was a theatrical release, but we opted not to. Yeah, so uh, we're only doing theatrical releases, uh, but we ha- so we, there's two things. There's the um, Walt Disney Animation Canon, mm-hmm. which we do, and then we have a side thing called Animusings Plus, which is not technically part of the Walt Disney Animation Studios list, but they're either produced by it or it's connected enough that and that is worth talking about. Like Mary Poppins is included on that as well as like, um, I'm going, I'm trying to remember. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit. That's where mm. thing, things that were like, this was important to. Or like weird ones that no one talks about, like bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. Uh, it, it basically they're important. We feel they're important to animation, but because they're not part of the Walt Disney animation studios list, we do what was, what's called Animusings Plus for this. I'm probably going to cut all this out. Yeah, I know. But this is mostly for Jordan's benefit. Yeah, yeah, this yes. is for... But um, we could have... Return to Neverland is would have could have been Animusings Plus, but both Dan and I are like, don't have... I don't want... <laughs> don't have no, the energy. We don't, I don't... I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this. No. 
We, we talk about the ones we are, we're interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that also gives uh, one of the great things with Animusings Plus, too, is the fact that, um, by the way, we came up with Plus before Disney Plus came out. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that was like a weird thing. Like, whoa. We stole our idea. <laughs> yeah. It's all uh, uh, but- so, yeah, with the with the sequels out, I think we can just leave off with knowing that Milo and Kida are leading the Atlanteans into a more enlightened future. Yes. And uh, um, and it's over. Yeah, it's over. Mold gets a, a cute little sweater that he thinks is fancy and then takes it off and, and becomes a disgusting mole person again. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> he puts himself in a in a Japanese vase. Yeah. <laughs> and the song ends with a uh, or sorry, the movie ends with a song that nobody will ever remember. I, I already forgot it and I watched it last night. Wasn't it like an R and B sort of like weird pop ballad? Yeah, it was by Maya. You know, oh, Maya, good. some singer from... I've never... I don't remember Maya at all. I do. Uh, she was one of the four singers that uh, was included on um, uh, Sweet Lady Marmalade. I'm... Yeah. That goes over my head. <laughs> you know, the song that was made for Moulin Rouge with the... like. Had, oh, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Yeah, that one. Uh, uh, it was Maya, Christina Aguilera, Pink, and um, Little Kim, and then introduction by uh, Missy Elliott. God, I don't know why I know this, but yeah, that was all like off the top of your head. That just was pure actually really knowledge. impressive, Kayla. <laughs> I'm impressed. You know way more about Moulin Rouge than I do, which is funny because I don't really like the film that much. So. <laughs> but I knew too many people at the time who adored the film, so I was made to watch it. Well, more times than I that's true. than I should have. <laughs> I think we've been submerged too long. Stand by the surface. Aye aye. Ding ding ding. <laughs> uh, yeah, that cover. I you know yeah that covers. I think that pretty much covers Atlantis. I think we did it. It's due diligence. We've already. Yeah, it's not. It's not a bad people. movie, but it's also not like particularly like a masterpiece, like everyone says it was. Yeah, I think I lean toward this on the side of liking it. I like it. Yeah, I, I do as well. It's, it's not my favorite, but I like it. It's pretty. It's definitely a spectacle. Like, and I, I wish Disney would make more movies kind of like this, and in the essence of like adventure movies with like without the songs, without the musicals, just more. Well, you see, they they tried twice, and both times it failed. <laughs> That's true. We actually have another one coming up. Which is uh, that one's disappointing. I know. I mean, it's good. I remember liking it, but I all that's another movie I've only seen one time. Oh, I think uh, David. I think you'll really like it if you enjoyed like the the uh, sort of aesthetic and the, oh. the theme behind Atlantis. I think you're gonna love. Oh no! I mean, movie. anyone anyone who knows what we're talking about here knows that in a couple months uh, we're gonna be talking about Treasure Planet, and um, it's it's space pirates, space, space Treasure pirates. Island, baby, it's space Treasure Island, and I'm all for it. <laughs> and I remember really liking the aesthetic of it too. But that's that we'll talk about that in December. What are we talking about in November, Kayla? Uh, that's what I'm actually excited for. Uh, we're going to be discussing um, uh, Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> I know. Yay! A very, a very good movie. Well, I, I would argue a much better movie than Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to agree there. Also, a movie without a ton of musical numbers. Come to think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like music I mean, in the movie, but there's no there's like there's no like character singing. <laughs> Stitch doesn't go and starts to go, to go into a show number. That's the hey, there you go. That's my Stitch impression for you. There you go. 
Well, uh, Jordan, I want to say thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah, I'm waving as if I'm actually like like saying goodbye to the camera, even though there's, <laughs> our cameras aren't on. No, this is a this is an a purely audio medium, and I couldn't see you because of the corkboard anyway. So. Uh, yes, it's still here, and I wish I wish I I could get it off me. There's actually two more pins in me. Oh, well, you might have to keep those just for safety, at least until the cabin lights come on and you're asked to disembark. Make sure you hold on to the handrails and take small children by the hand. Uh, where can people find you, Jordan? If if there's anything you want to promote, go for it. Yeah, um, I'm uh, Vinfy, V-H-I-N-F-Y, literally everywhere on the internet. I've been doing a lot of Twitch streaming lately. My Twitter is where I yell into the abyss and hope people yell back. And um, I've got a YouTube. Um, so go ahead and, uh, you know, follow me there. And uh, that's uh, that's enough shilling for me for today. Thank you uh, so much. Um, thank you so much to David and Kayla for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed my time here. And even though I was inside a stuffy submarine, <laughs> um, I, you know what? I'm still happy I got to enjoy talking about a some movie with some people who I, I haven't talked to in a hot minute. It has been a while. It's yeah. good. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah. You now, as well. Yeah. Now get out. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch my step. Oh, I didn't watch my step. You have to service. Oh. All ashore, please. All ashore. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That great poets imitate and improve. Where our small ones steal and spoil. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Justin. And if it wasn't readily apparent at that, we're huge nerds about remakes. That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a remake in detail and its original, covering them in whatever order they come out, from Wizard of Oz to It and beyond. They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic from beyond? Oh, no. Not yet. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk, but Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.